We are live now. Uh, welcome to another edition of Saturday Standouts. I am your co-host, Sam Daring. With me, as always, is my other co-host, Caleb Skinner. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the Big 12, or the Big 10, I'm sorry. Um, so we're going to start off with Ohio State, um, to go on to Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, Penn State, and then end with one of the most overrated teams in college football and the Michigan Wolverines. Um, so the first off, um, Ohio State. I don't know how the Big Ten made these schedules. Um, we were just talking about this. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Um, going through their schedule uh, once we get there, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't really – I feel like the intriguing game, we might have the same one. Um, but obviously there's a few guys from the Big Ten – um, two from Ohio State that came back. They got reinstated, including Wyatt Davis, who very well could be in the top half of the first round. Um, and there's another one in Sean Wade. I know you're a big fan of Sean Wade. Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis both got reinstated. Justin Fields, we've had we've had multiple conversations about Justin Fields. Um, I'm, I'm, everyone in Unwrapped is still going to remember Andrew Williams saying Justin Fields five years from now is going to win MVP. Justin Fields is better than Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Andrew, if you're watching, man, I, I, we will not forget that statement that is sticking with us. So, but Ju Justin Fields is a special player. And I don't remember if, I think we've talked about this before when um, the big 10, you know, postponed their season initially. And I said, Justin Fields should transfer. And I'm kind of surprised. Like I was talking to my friends a while ago. I'm like, isn't it so weird that like, a month ago or in August, like 20, yeah, like a month ago, they postponed like a ton of conferences and a month later, all these conferences are coming back and playing revised conference schedules. It's just crazy to me. Um, but Ohio State to me really, they lost a few, but they also gained, I think they gained more than they lost actually. Yeah, it's going to be interesting <laughs> season when it comes to the Big Ten in my opinion, because I mean, you see what the SEC has done and they, they're still playing a conference only schedule, but it's 10 games. So it's too much games for the big 10. Mm -hmm. See what the ACC has done. They've gone um, with an 11 game schedule. So they've got their 10 conference games, much like the SEC, but they have that one additional non-conference game as well. So I'm um, very confusing here on my part by why the big 10 and, and the commissioner of the big 10 decided to go this route. But I mean, we just got to go with it and go with it. For, <clears throat> we're leading off of the Ohio state here. We've talked about Justin Fields. Everybody knows Justin Fields. He's the big name. Ohio State's got their guys that originally opted out coming back. That's big for them. That's big for Ryan Day because that brings leadership back into the organization there um, for Ohio State. So ultimately, it's going to be is Justin Fields going to continue to be the Justin Fields we know him to be. Um, I originally, like you did, Sam, I, I was like, he's going to have to transfer if the Big Ten's not going to have a season. So he waited and waited and waited. You know, he put out the petition and everything like that, and now he's back. Um, but he's only gets an eight game schedule, un unlike, you know, the ACC and as excuse me, SEC, who get at least two and three games, you know, um, respectively. So uh, we'll see what he can do in that amount of time. We'll see how that stacks up to other conferences. My big thing here is how's it going to, you know, look when it comes time to select, you know, bowl games or when it comes time to select, you know, the college football playoff teams and ultimately the national championship. So these other you know, these other teams or these other conference teams are playing two, three more games. You have a more likely chance of getting injured or one of your star players getting injured in that time. So that's a big positive when it comes to the Big Ten. But ultimately, when it comes to, you know, film and everything like that, when it comes to moving on to the NFL, it's not a very good look for them. 
Um, but yeah, we can go ahead and jump into their offense in just a little bit here before we get into their schedule. So Justin Fields, obviously their big guy there um, on the offensive side of the ball. The real question mark that I think you and I have talked about before is going to be that running back room with the uh, subtraction of Dobbins. Yeah. Um, before I start, I know you, so you mentioned the college football playoff. I think it was, I think it was earlier today. They, the Pac-12, and we'll talk the Pac-12 next week. Um, they proposed a, an eight-team playoff, and I'm pretty sure the committee. I'm pretty sure just declined that today. Um, and I also read. I sent this tweet to you. Um, they're not. Ha- they're scrapping bowl requirements. Right. So we could have winless teams like Nebraska or even Rutgers or Arkansas in the SEC. We could have them go and play a bowl game. But, I mean, that's a topic for another time. Going into Ohio State, yeah, I think their running back room is in more of – I mean, J.K. Dobbins is a huge loss, but they also have Master Teague who really – I think this could be his time to step up. But at the same time, we've talked about when we had our college state of college sports panel. I think Trey Sermon – has a really good shot of solidifying him, solidifying himself as a top five running back in this draft class. And he split with Kennedy Brooks at Oklahoma, and now Kennedy Brooks obviously has opted out. Um, but Trey Sermon is under some decent pressure, in my opinion. Um, but I think he's really going to have his work cut out for him. But, yeah, the running back room to me is really intriguing. Yeah, I mean, that's the most intriguing when it comes to them. Their wide receivers are always pretty good, good enough to, you know, make Justin Fields oh, yeah. look like he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So, I mean, that that say with that was good <clears> well, but um, they're honestly going to have a very solid offense. And, and so their offensive line, they're mostly all, you know, upperclassmen there. So they look real good. Um, defense is going to look good too. Like you said, I, I love Sean Wade. He's, you know, one of those lockdown, um, you know, we, we throw OSU into that, that DBU debate top three in my opinion so i mean he's just an exemplary you know person to fit that mold there at ohio state so i think their defense is going to be just as good as well um question marks for me is master t going to take that next step when it comes to their offense um but on the defensive side of the ball i'm not too worried either although you know they kind of got abused by clemson last year and you know sean wade got a targeting call last year versus clemson as well so um they're going to need to show that they can keep up with you know receivers especially you know the receivers that we have in the big 10 that are, are very popular and very you know agile and quick and run run extremely crisp routes so you're gonna need to see a little step up from them but i mean they're they've got seniors in the linebacker room they look all very solid there at ohio state so um looking at their schedule i mean you can touch on the defense as well if you would like to but um i mean looking at their schedule is there a game what's the game that sticks out to you and in your record prediction um so their receiving cores, I like they're usually always impressive. They lost KJ Hill, obviously. It's a pretty big, pretty decent loss, but they still have obviously guys like Chris Olave and um, Garrett Wilson, who I think is a really good shot at being one of the top prospects in his draft class come 2022. Um, I think it'll be he'll be right behind George Pickens. Um, but their defense, obviously, no question. Their DB, their top three DBU, no question. Um Sean Wade coming this year, Jeff Okuda coming from last from this past year's draft or next year, or excuse me, Sean Wade coming from next year's and Jeff Okuda coming from this year's. You know what I mean? Switch it around. And Malik Harrison obviously is a big <laughs> loss. <laughs> they 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 lost Malik Harrison, who I think is a pretty decent loss. Like he, Malik Harrison was one of my favorite linebackers in this draft class because he was 
very explosive. He was athletic and he was a freak athlete. Um, but going through their schedule, I think this team is 8-0. I mean, not just because they're Ohio State, but their schedule, the only intriguing game to me that I can see, like, I don't even see this team upsetting them. And that's Penn State. They lost or they, they beat them 28-17 last year. Um, but losing Micah Parsons is really going to show. And I think Justin Fields could have a field day against that. Um, but their, their only competition they are playing is, um, is Ohio State or is Penn State. And they're not playing Minnesota. They're not playing um, Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, they're playing Michigan, but I don't really count that as competition. I guess if you want to count, if you had to pick another team, yeah, sure, put Michigan there. But Penn State is my team, um, more, more most intriguing, and I have them going eight and zero. Yeah, um, I think that's intriguing. Um, it's definitely an intriguing game, but I'm gonna eight and zero, eight games. So it kind of took me off guard for a second there. <laughs> um, but um, it's not hard to see that. But I have them probably going seven and one. I think there's just gonna be a slip up. I don't expect it to be that Penn State game. I think, you know, starting off on Nebraska, that's great for them. Um, it's going to oh, yeah. be a nice little test. Uh-huh. I mean, not a huge test, but it's a nice test with a, you know, a Scott Frost off or Scott Frost team <laughs> that, you know, starting to build upon itself and get better as, as the years go. So um, I, they'll handle that. Uh, Penn State will be a test, especially on the road. But I think it being that early in the season for them, it'll kind of work in their favor with, you know, a better camaraderie around the team and everything like that. So um, Rutgers, uh, easy W, Maryland, easy W. <laughs> Indiana, EZW. And this is where my interesting game is going to be here in Ohio State schedule, and that's going to be the Illinois game. You go on the road at Illinois late in November here. It's going to be cold over there in Chicago. You got is Lovey Smith still a head coach? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Lovey Smith, I think he's a great head coach. Um, you might disagree with me, you, you might not. But um, and then the whole reason I'm picking that is because that, in my opinion, is a little look ahead game depending on how Michigan state plays because Ohio state, Michigan state always have like a little, a good game. And then you have to go on the road um, two weeks in a row. And then one of them's to East Lansing. So not easy there, a little look ahead situation before you run into um, Michigan. But like you said, you and I both aren't very high on the Michigan Wolverines never have been, never will. Um, So um, that's just how I think Illinois always wins one game each year in the big 10 that they don't deserve to win. So uh, or they, I mean, they do deserve to win it, but like you, you would never think that they should be in that game to begin with from the get go. Um, and then somehow they just magically, you know, build upon it and pull it out. So, um, ultimately I think, I think they could get upset there, but I mean, I, like you said, their schedule is extremely easy. So <laughs> don't quote me and, and, you know, bring back the receipts <laughs> on me, you know, picking Illinois to upset, uh, Ohio state. But if it does happen, I'm going to be sitting here saying, I told you so. <laughs> And actually your point on Illinois is a perfect point to kind of flow on to the next team because Illinois beat Wisconsin and we'll talk about Wisconsin's schedule in just a bit here, but Wisconsin, like, I don't want to say I always have high expectations for them, but they always like looking at their schedule, especially even this year, they are potentially an 8-0 team, but they lost by a field goal to Illinois. And like, I'm glad you brought up Illinois because Illinois, that Illinois-Wisconsin game should have never been a game that should have been down to the wire. And Illinois wins by a field goal, upsetting Wisconsin. And as soon as um, that happens, the momentum for the Badgers is just gone. And two years ago, um, they lost to BYU, which was probably an even uglier game than 
um, than last year. I know I remember Sione Taki, Sione Taki Taki. He's now a uh, <laughs> linebacker for the Browns. I like that's the name that I remember because he went off against the Badgers two years ago. Um, but going into the Badgers, um, the Badgers did lose a lot. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, some huge shoes to fill. Um, they also lost Quintez Cephas and Quintez Cephas, I think was, I think a lot of people um, kind of scratched, wrote him off because of his combine because he ran a 4.7340 at his combine. But what, to me, what's so ironic is we talked about Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda's press conference, he named the most, the toughest receiver that he went up against. And he said Quintez Cephas. So I think that's so funny and like ironic like that they ended up on the same team and Quintez Cephas has unbelievable athleticism. And I don't think, I don't think his, um, his combine, his combine results should be, you know, like cause him to be written off and their mm-hmm. offense, obviously Jonathan Taylor and what's like Ohio state, their most intriguing um, area of our, of their offense is their running back room. Well, uh, for for Wisconsin, yeah, that's obviously you take a huge hit there with Jonathan Taylor leaving, and we've seen what he's already been able to do in the NFL. So, I mean, that's a special piece that you're losing. Rush for 2,255 yards, 26 touchdowns on 346 touches. So, absolute animal, beast of an animal running behind, you know, those farmer boys in Wisconsin behind their, their offensive line. So, uh, pretty easy to do. So, I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to is what is this Wisconsin offense going to look like? when they don't have, you know, that one guy who's going to be able to, they're going to be able to, you know, put the whole team on their shoulders with is Jack Cohn going to be able to, you know, be the Jack Cohn that he needs to be. Um, I know Wisconsin's not necessarily the team to, you know, throw it downfield, but I mean, he had, he played, almost completed almost 70% of his passes last year for almost 2,800 yards and had a decent season, but um, I think we just need to see a little bit more from him in my opinion, before these other young guys start, you know, catching up to him, AKA like Graham Mertz. Uh, we've talked about this before. So is he going to catch him? Um, is he not? And then that running back room, it's going to be real interesting. So you got, you know, Isaac Grindo, Jalen <clears throat> Berger, who's a four-star commit out of New Jersey. So these guys are big names or big names that were in the recruiting cycle that are we going to see them step up and be able to fill this hole? And eventually is it going to go from being, you know, a committee backfield to one of these guys taking over? That's my concern, too, is because Garrett Groshek, if you look at the depth chart right now, I'm pretty sure it has Garrett Groshek as their starting running back. But Garrett Groshek is built for a fullback. And And he's been used mainly on third downs, correct? Right, right. And they also have another fullback in uh, Mason Stockey. And I'm glad you brought up the because their running back room is it's deep and it's very talented. You mentioned Jalen Berger. Uh, They also have Nakia Watson, who even he had 74 carries for – uh, 331 yards and two touchdowns splitting with both Jonathan Taylor and even Garrett Groshek. And we've seen flashes of Nakia Watson. We also have Julius Davis um, from Menominee Falls. Um, their running back room is very intriguing and it's very, I, I'm wondering as well if it's going to be a running back by committee. To me, it kind of seems like it might be Garrett Groshek for now. Um, right. And I think it could be him splitting with Nakia Watson. Um and I think it could potentially be, it'll be the Nikia Watson show um, because we 
don't know his full potential, um, but we know he, we know his talent and we know what he's capable of. Right. And he, the whole thing with him, I believe it was inconsistency. He, he would have flashes and then you would, you would not see him for a while. And then yeah. you, know, you would break off another big run and then you would see him for a while when he was, you know, getting that time with, uh, with Jonathan Taylor. So that's a big, that's a big question mark. I mean, Jake Ferguson, honestly, uh, a great tight end there for Wisconsin as well. Probably, you know, out of the receiving the wide receivers, he's probably the best wide receiver out of all of them. And he's their tight end. So um, not much to worry about there. Pretty solid guy. You can check down to outside of the run off of play action, you know, get him on a boot. So that looks good. Uh, the only question mark really there on that offensive offensive side of the ball, I'm, I'm not worried about their line at all. Cause it's just year in year out. One of the best in the nation. Oh, yeah. So line you. Yeah. Um, when it comes to their, their defense, I'm not really you know <clears throat> caught up as much on their defense. I know, um, you know, Chris Orr and, and Zach Bond and Zach Bond leaving. Those are huge huge shoes to fill because those were you know living room names that everybody knew. Yeah. So going back to the receiving core, um, you mentioned Jake Ferguson. You also mentioned their offensive line, Colvin Lannon, who I think has a really good shot at being an early day two prospect in the draft. Um, they also recruited Nolan Rucci, which I'm so pumped about. His brother Hayden Rucci is a tight end. Um, was just recruited. Actually, he was in Graham Mertz's recruiting class. Graham Mertz's recruiting class is probably one of the best ones we've had. I think this one's even better. Um, you mentioned Jalen Berger, and we also got brought in Nolan Rucci. Um, they also have Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis. Uh, had very somewhat similar stats. I know Danny Davis got a little, um, little bit more receptions than um, Kendrick Pryor, but Kendrick Pryor, I know when they weren't handing the ball off, I want to say was one of the first few games. He showed a lot of promise. Um, his stats aren't going to show out to you. I think it was, it was like a touchdown and like two two hundred fifty yards or something like that. Um, I, between two two and two hundred fifty yards um, receiving and like one or two touchdowns. Um, I think the receiving core, like those guys are going to have to step up. We know what they're capable of. And going over to their defense, the big name for their defense is Jack Sanborn. Jack Sanborn finished with 80 total tackles last year. And I think he is one of, I think he might be a top 10 prospect in the big 10 um, in terms of um, top 10 to top 15 NFL draft prospect in the big 10. I think he's really made a name for himself, but they need more than Jack Sanborn. Like you kind of alluded to, um, they have Eric Burrell. He is a little bit undersized. Um, he is versatile and he's quick. And they also have Isaiah Loudermilk okay. and Isaiah Loudermilk is a guy who is athletic and he can win both. He's, he's a mountain of a man. He's six, seven, two ninety three. Um, he can win you games both on the out and the inside. So I think they, they need more than just Jack Sanborn to step up. And I'm looking at both Isaiah Loudermilk and Eric Burrell. Right. So those are the two names that I, I, I mean, Loudermilk was the guy that I, you know, kind of knew of coming into this. Um, but isn't, isn't, um, is Ben, Benton, um, what's his name? Keanu, Keanu Benton. Mm -hmm. So he, he's going to play a lot there in the middle for, for the Badgers 3-4 defense. So um, another guy to keep an eye on there. But overall, I think this is a pretty solid, you know, Wisconsin team. I think they'll probably finish very high um, in, in the rankings this year, especially based off of their schedule. Yeah, and going into their schedule, um, I'll actually – I'll let you start with this one since you started – since I started with Ohio State. 
Yeah. Um, so this is our second uh, easy schedule, in my opinion. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, a little bit more tough than Ohio State schedule, uh, but honestly, they don't have to play like Penn State at all. They don't have to play Ohio State. They don't, you know, they don't have to play the big dogs. The only big dogs, I mean, they, they play some big dogs, but they're not the big, big dogs of the, of the conference, you know. So, I mean, they get Michigan, which is like we've said, we don't need to reiterate that. They've also played Minnesota who, you know, they've got to deflect there and everything, and they're really, you know, getting that system together. They're losing some pieces, though, so we'll see how that works out for them. Um, and they also play Iowa, which Iowa's always a pretty solid team in the Big Ten as well, um, whether that be – I mean, solid team, I mean, eight and four, like, every year. Um, <laughs> that's, like, Iowa's, like, go-to record. But um, here, the interesting game I have for them is probably going to be – it's a tough one to pick. Um, I think it's going to be that that last game of the season versus Iowa. Um, it's just going to be, you know, meat going at meat, you know, grit and grind going against grit and grind, and it's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, I don't know where what Iowa's schedule personally looks like, but I expect them to be, you know, right around where they usually are. But um, Illinois start off the season, easy win. Nebraska right after that, easy win. Purdue right after that, easy win. So you start off 3-0. You've got a lot of momentum and confidence heading into this matchup with Michigan in Michigan. So and that's in Ann Arbor. So that's, that's huge with, you know, bringing in that amount of confidence coming into that game on the road. Then you, after that, you have Northwest or yeah, Northwestern. Um, then another tough test against Minnesota. Luckily you have that one at home. So I think they might be able to take care of that one as well. Um, so I think Wisconsin, if they, you know, completely have it together, like I think they do, they have a better chance of going eight and no than Ohio State. Yeah, I I really like your intriguing game, and I kind of view Iowa like I view Virginia Tech and the ACC because Iowa has always been a sneaky good team in the Big Ten that you know people kind of overlook. They're always either they're either finishing right outside the rankings or they're right like in the bottom five of the top twenty five rankings, and. Their big losses, obviously, they, they don't have Nate Stanley. They, they lost their quarterback, so they're playing under a new quarterback. Um, they, they don't have AJ Epinesa. Um, and looking at the Badgers' schedule, when I first looked at it, I immediately thought this team has the chance to go 8-0. But um, I – like just like <laughs> the past two years, BYU, Illinois, there's never – it's been a long time since the Badgers have had like an eight no season or undefeated season. And as soon as they lose that game, they lose <laughs> all their momentum. And my intriguing game, I have them going seven and one and I have them losing to Minnesota. And okay. like I said, they, they, they their schedules easy and they always seem to lose their momentum and um, we'll get to Minnesota next, but Minnesota had a slightly better offense than, Wisconsin, Minnesota, I know, relied a little bit more on the passing game, rightfully so, because they have one of the best wide receivers in the draft in Rashad Bateman. Mm -hmm. But Wisconsin relied a little bit more on the run game because they had arguably one of the best running backs in the draft. Um, so it was two offensive systems, uh, two different kind of offensive systems. And we we both kind of have conversations about P.J. Fleck and – I think PJ Fleck is underappreciated and like, that's putting all of my Wisconsin Badgers biased away. Like look at what Pete, like from before PJ Fleck came, Minnesota was like at the bottom of the rankings to not even ranked. And PJ Fleck comes in and last season, people are talking about the, the people are talking about Minnesota being in the top four. 
and like Tan- Tanner Morgan, Tanner Morgan's a quarterback prospect going into this season. And I think if he can break out this year, he could be, I mean, I don't potentially see him being a starting quarterback, but <laughs> I think he'll need obviously like a lot of grooming, but Tan- Tanner Morgan to me, if he breaks out, I think he could be at least a third to fourth round prospect. But I have the Badgers going seven and zero, and I have my most intriguing game, and I have them losing seven and one. Seven and one. Seven and one. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're good. <laughs> these, these different game schedules all over the place, man. It's, just... <laughs> it's killer, isn't it? It's, it's awful. <laughs> but seven, seven and one for the Badgers, um, and I've got them losing to Minnesota. <clears throat> Which brings us to Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll go ahead and take this one. Um, PJ's float, P- PJ float. Um, PJ Fleck. I'm already thinking about row the boat. <laughs> Jesus Christ, PJ Fleck. Um, yeah, row the boat, guys. Row the boat. I'm sure Corey's excited <laughs> to hear that. So, uh, you know how it goes with, with the sayings and everything. But they finished last season 11 2, had a great season, had a great <laughs> team, uh, lost some big names both on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball with Tyler Johnson at wide receiver and um, Antoine Winfield Jr. at their safety backfield. So they're on defense, but they do return a decent amount of guys um, on offense. You already mentioned uh, Tanner Morgan. Are we going to see him, you know, take this next step? That's that we've said that a lot, but I mean, it's, it's happening a lot right now. There's a lot of guys that are in that year where they need to, I mean, there, there's not a whole lot of, you know, Trevor Lawrence's or Justin Fields out there that we need to see take a next step. So um, that's kind of where we are when it comes to this. Um, big factor in, in, in this for their offense is going to be they have a new offensive coordinator, Mike Sanford Jr. So how is that going to work? Um, and then it's just I'm not really sure what they are going to do, um, you know, offensive skill wise, other than, you know, Rashad Bateman coming back. That's huge for them because you and I <laughs> talked about that earlier. Like who is going to be the guy? that Tanner Morgan is going to be able to rely on if, if Bateman's not there, but with him coming back, that brings, you know, not only another extremely great <clears throat> skill player on the outside, but that brings in another leadership guy into the locker room. Yeah. And you mentioned they, they lost a lot. They, they, they lost, I shouldn't say a lot, but a lot of the guys they lost were key areas and they lost mm-hmm. obviously Antoine Winfield Jr. Tyler Johnson, who we talked about, put up those numbers and with even with Rashad Bateman in the spotlight as well. And they also lost uh, Kamal Martin, who was drafted by the Green Bay Packers um, early in the early um, day three of the draft. Um, he has an unbelievable body frame. He is very athletic. His body frame, he is the perfect body frame for his position. He was competing for a starting job already um, along or against Christian Kirksey for the Packers, but unfortunately took him up for six to eight weeks with, I think it was a knee injury. Um, so he's on the IR, but yeah, I mean, Tanner Morgan, like you mentioned, he's got to take that big step. And another quarterback that I kind of think of alongside him is Iowa state quarterback, Brock Purdy. And I think mm-hmm. Brock Purdy's I, I don't know better. why, but I, I do the same thing as you, Sam. I think of them hand in hand. Like it's sometimes I get them confused. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I think Brock Purdy's better. Um, Brock, I mean, yeah, he doesn't play good defense. Cause that is not, that's not what the big 12 is known for, but Brock Purdy's broken multiple records, but obviously like, if you look at his game against TCU, like when he was trying to throw the ball away, he threw a pick six right in the guy's hands. Um, that game itself, I think, dropped his draft draft stock quite a bit. And 
Yeah, I mean, like thinking of Tanner Morgan, like the situation that he is in, I think all eyes are going to be on him if he's going to take that big step. And obviously, like um, Iowa State has Charlie Kalar and I believe Xavier Hutchinson. Um, I mean, and even without Rashad Bateman, who like Tanner Morgan, there's there's really no guys in that wide receiver room that has really there's. Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, and their third guy who, like, he's going to have to make a name for himself starting this year. And the last running back that I remember being, like, really, really relevant in Minnesota um, years ago, David Cobb. Uh, I think he was drafted by the (laughs) Tennessee Titans (laughs) years ago. Um, But, I mean, Minnesota is a much more passing offense, and it, it Obviously, like it's not that surprising because they have Rashad Bateman. And I think Rashad Bateman could be in for a big year, especially now that Tyler Johnson's gone. Um, mm-hmm. And their defense lost Antoine Winfield, which is huge. Um, and they also lost Kamal Martin. Um, but I, I still think, like Ohio State, they kind of gained a lot back. And I think that's huge that they were able to get Rashad Bateman back. And I actually, I think that was. That was just today. So yeah. <laughs> he just got his waiver. So he was he was he's been on campus for a week or two now. Maybe more than that. He's been on campus for a while, um, like most of this month. And he was waiting to get his waiver for so long. So and I may I'm interested to hear uh or he, hear any more updates of all these guys, not just the Big Ten, like coming back from like getting reinstated. We've seen Sean Wade, we've seen Wyatt Davis, Rondell Moore, um, and now Rashad Bateman. Micah Parsons, Penn State, which we'll get to next. I don't think Mike. I don't think Micah Parsons has anything else to prove. I think Mike Micah Parsons is a top five NFL prospect in this draft. Yeah. I think I think Parsons could go three or four, depending on who's picking. I've seen him mock to the Lions. I've seen him mock to the to the Giants. I th- I don't think Micah Parsons comes back. Um, if he does come back, I mean, good for him. I mean, he's amazing to watch. Um, but we'll get to Penn State in just a bit here, but. Going into their schedule, this is another easy schedule. I mean, looking through all looking through all these schedules, I mean, the, the schedule that I found kind of the most intriguing was um, it was Michigan's, I believe. It was Michigan's or Penn State's. Um, but I think Minnesota has a chance to go um, 8-0. And um, actually, they're <laughs> – so I have their most intriguing game – um, I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong notes here, but I have them going eight and zero. Um, let me try to pick my most intriguing game. I'll probably say Wisconsin um, because it's going to be. I think, especially since we kind of talked about that running back room, you could kind of see um, late in the season maybe they have their running back like that, like solidified running back. Is mm-hmm. it Garrett Groshek? Is it Nakia Watson? Who gets more touches? As of right now, based on experience, I think it'll be Garrett Groshek. Um, but I, Garrett Groshek's not built for a halfback. He's a fullback. I'm like, yeah, they have Mason Stockey, but that running back room is deep. So I, I think I think this is a game that comes down to a nail-biter, and I think Minnesota wins it. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> you were speaking about how they are returning a lot of players, um, especially on on the offensive side of the ball. They bring back their whole offensive line. They bring back all four tight ends that they used last year. They bring back two senior tailbacks that were injured in 2018 <clears throat> um, and one last year. They bring back Abraham, who rushed for 1,160 yards last season so and nine touchdowns. So they're pretty much solid on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively here is where the real question marks come into play for Minnesota, only bringing back five starters. So um, that's huge. Antoine Winfield Jr. being gone. Um, it's just it's just hard for them. Uh, they returned most of their secondary, luckily. Um, so if there is any problems through the air, they can handle that. But what's going to be a real problem for them is when it comes down to, you know, the front seven and who's going to really be able to step up there. But, yeah, like you said, again, another <clears throat> schedule. Um, I don't know why. Big Ten set all their good teams up like this, but I mean it is what it is. A smart move on their part to get as many you know teams into the top twenty-five as you can. So I mean I guess that's that that would be my you know my my view on what they were trying to accomplish there. But um, my most intriguing game is going to be the first game of the season there. Excuse me. And that's against Michigan. I just think opening up against a team like that, you got two good teams, Minnesota not being ranked, but I'm sure like they're right on the outskirts of being ranked. So it'll be a great game. They get it at home. So that's a positive as well. Um, I do have them winning that game and I have them going seven and one um, <clears throat> Wisconsin eight. No. So um, obviously Wisconsin wins that, that, that matchup versus Minnesota. Yeah. And you mentioned Ibrahim, their running back room. I think both running back rooms are kind of interesting. I think more so um, Wisconsin, especially because we don't know, like, you know, what it is. Like, come week one, um, I know Ibrahim rushed for over 1,000 yards. But, I mean, I don't remember a Minnesota running back that's, you know, been, like, great in the NFL. I can't think of one right now. I don't even think there is one right now that, you know, like, even splits carries or produces at a high level. Um, but, I think Ibrahim's very talented, and I think this is a nail-biter game. Yeah, and we'll flip over to um, our next team here, and that is going to be the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, you want to go ahead and lead us off with, with that, Sam? Yeah, so um, obviously their biggest loss is Micah Parsons. Um, their, their offense didn't lose a ton. Um, they gained Sean Clifford. And we've had we've talked about Journey Brown. Journey Brown very well could be on the spectrum of you know Penn State running backs getting produced at a high level for the NFL. Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Journey Brown very well could be on that list. Jerry Brown or Journey Brown rushed for um, just under 900 yards. I see no reason why he can't break a thousand this year uh, with his talent that he's had. Mm -hmm. um, another one is th this is my number one tight end in the draft is. Um, Pat Frumuth. I know some people might even have Kyle Pitts after his unbelievable <laughs> performance um, this past Saturday. Um, but my number one is um, Pat Frumuth because I think what I think sets him aside from everyone is he's a guy that can he can produce in the backfield. Like he he's not a, not only he's easy at tight end, but he can produce as a halfback as well. And I think that's a unique trait of his that sets him apart from guys like Kyle Pitts and guys like Brevin Jordan. Um, so I think Pat Frumuth obviously is their top guy. Um, they don't have like studs like as receivers. Um, they have reliable guys, but Pat Frumuth is the top target that they have. And obviously Journey Brown and 
Sean Clifford to me, I mean, I think he's I the last quarterback that like good the last quarterback before Clifford was Trace McSorley, and I don't I'm not a huge fan of Trace McSorley. Um, when he got drafted by the Ravens, um, I was hoping the Ravens would use him as a Taysom Hill because if I'm not mistaken, I think wasn't he like I, I think he was asked to like if he'd ever switch positions or something like that. I don't remember, but and I think he denied it because it's Trace McSorley, uh, but. Um, but I mean, Sean Clifford, I think is, he's got the pieces to work with. He has James Franklin, who's an, um, he, James Franklin's a very good coach. And for what he's had to work with, I think Penn state's done an unbelievable job And Penn state. I think they're ranked what, like in the top 15, I think they might even be in the top 10 ranked, um, going into this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Sean Clifford being back, that's that's big for them um, after losing, you know, a, a decent amount in my opinion. So, um, I mean, the running back room, Journey Brown, like you were saying, easily going to be able to slot into that spot now. Um, surpassed 100 yards in four games last year, so not really anything to worry about. And usually this is the time that, you know, Penn State running backs make that leap into being like lethal, legit running backs and, mm-hmm. you know, number top five draft picks or whatever but um sean clifford being back is huge i think he's poised um great quarterback in the pocket um makes the right decisions so their offense in my opinion doesn't have any really you know question marks offensive line you have a new position coach there um and you also have you know question marks when it comes to the wide receiver room because they also have a new position coach so um and it's just you know real question marks who's going to make that that excellent play or that play that needs to be made late in the game. John Clifford needs, you know, a back shoulder grab who's going to be there for him to, you know, make that throw. Um, they do have a wide receiver coming back in Dotson, um, 40 passes, close to 700 yards last year. But I mean, I mean, that's his first two seasons, not in one season, excuse me. So a lot to be proven there on the outside for Penn State, but I imagine they'll, you know, get it together. the schedule has been like or anything so hopefully they've had a little bit of time um maybe not even in the practice facility but outside you know working together to see you know get that you know quarterback wide receiver um you know telepathy going on to where you understand what's going to happen in every play um other than that looking at their defense they lost uh three vets at each level um which is huge losses but they also return a lot of guys in 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 not only guys that, you know, started, but guys who, who got playing time. So that is huge for them um, in terms of, you know, replacing those starters that were in those vets that, that have left. Yeah. And we've talked about Micah, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is a guy like multiple analysts have been saying, Micah Parsons is a player that I would build my defense around. Um, like as multiple analysts have said before, and I don't think Micah Parsons has anything left to prove. And I, I mentioned earlier, in this episode is I'm wondering if there's more players that have opted out that are trying to come back. I know Jalen Mayfield's another guy for the offensive tackle for Michigan, which we'll get to as our last team here. But um, the only player, like he, the only player that I can maybe see coming back is Jalen Mayfield, but Micah Parsons is a huge loss and that's huge shoes to fill. And they're going to need somebody to step up. And you mentioned they lost vets on like, all like three of their key positions. 
Yeah, it's it's huge losses um, for them. Michael Parsons is the biggest, obviously. But what really is good for them is their secondary welcomes back. Uh, Tariq Castro Fields and free safety Lamont Wade work hand in hand with each other. A great tandem to have back there. Um, and for some reason, Penn State always just has a very decent secondary, so that's good. Um, you know, Marquise Wilson's going to buy for one of those cornerback spots that's left open. Um, and then you just like all these guys got playing time. So like, you can't really say like one is going to leap over the other. I mean, you've got Keaton Ellis, um, Jonathan Sutherland, all these guys have gotten playing time. So like, you can't choose one or the other, who's going to be able to take over these spots other than, you know, Sutherland's going to obviously take that other safety spot because that's where he started at last year. So, um, but other guys like that are going to be able to step into the role. So ultimately that front seven is where you're going to need to replace those vets, even though you got that playing time and everything, you're going to need somebody to step up, be that leader. Yeah. And then even going into their D line, they have guys like Antonio Shelton. They've got upperclassmen in their front D line, their front defensive line core. So they're going to need guys, especially like him specifically that are going to need to make that big step. Now that Micah Parsons is out of this picture. Yep. hundred percent agree. So going into their record, um, th- these these last two teams, Penn State and Michigan, kind of had more intriguing schedules um, to me based on or over the, the the first three teams that we talked about. Um, so I have them going six and two, and I have them okay. losing to Ohio State. And um, another one, I have them, another game I've been losing to is Iowa. And Iowa, like I like we both mentioned, they're sneaky good. And Iowa has Iowa has one of the best defenses in the in the Big Ten. And their big loss, obviously, is AJ Vanessa, but they have pieces to work around it. Iowa has a lot of defensive talent on their on their like returning. And losing Micah Parsons in this game is going to show. And I think this could be an upset game. And I've got Penn State going six and two. Um, I personally feel the my most intriguing game is Iowa more so than um, Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you there. Um, I think the most interesting game, obviously, is the Ohio State game, um, second game of the season, top ten matchup between two top ten teams. Um, it's just gonna be, you know, it's it's gonna have to be, you know, the primetime matchup for that weekend. It's gonna be so fun to watch these two teams go at it. I mean. We talked about having to replace Michael Parsons, but ultimately I think that defense can, you know, stick with these guys with a very, you know, established secondary who will be able to match up and, you know, test Justin Fields through the air. Uh, I I think it being at Penn State is a huge thing for them. Um, Not necessarily as huge as if there would be fans, obviously, but I mean, you feel more comfortable being at home uh, anyway. So it's, in my opinion, I think they go seven and one. I think they ultimately do lose that game to Ohio State, though. I just Ohio State's a better team, you know, ready. They've got more pieces, just as balanced as Penn State is. Um, they, they have better quarterback play. They have you know, maybe arguably better skill players than Penn State, um, especially when it comes to wide receivers. So um, defense uh, about equal, in my opinion, not anybody too flashy on either side, just real, you know, solid guys. So seven and one seems – Teams that lost to Ohio State also play Indiana, which they should win. Maryland, Nebraska, Iowa. That'll be a tough game, like you were saying, but I think it'll be like, you know, a 17 14 win or something like that. <laughs> uh, Michigan's overrated. Uh, don't have to worry about them. Michigan State and Rutgers to end the season off. So, um, yeah, I like them at seven and one, you know, to end out the season. And here we are. We're talking about, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and, and Penn State pretty much all having 
great records to get them inside the top 25. So, so well done with your, your scheduling big 10. And that's the thing too, is like, I, I, I pick Iowa as my more intriguing because I think the fact that Penn state doesn't have Micah Parsons now, they're going to take advantage of that. Justin Fields is going to take advantage of that. And I think that's a game where they're either, they either lose by one possession or they lose by two, three plus possessions and get blown out because Justin Fields has a field day against that Penn state defense. And I think, I think that's a game where they get out coached because of that. Yeah, it's definitely an option. Um, I mean, it's not something you can just like, you know, just like dish off as as nothing because right. it's right. A, that in a, an Iowa team typically picks out your biggest weakest point when it comes to you know their offense mm-hmm. to attack because they're not very. I mean, they're they're good offensively, but they're not you know skilled enough to be able to just you know play their certain type of way game in game out. So they ultimately have to pick out which team's weaknesses and choose to attack it that way. And so ultimately, I see why you're going that direction. I just think you know Penn State overall is a better football team, and that'll that'll show. Oh yeah. So into our least favorite team of the Big Ten, (laughs) the Michigan Wolverines. Not the Michigan Wolverines, probably one of the most overrated teams in let alone college football. <laughs> this team lost a lot on their offensive side of the ball. Um, obviously, we talked about Tariq Black last 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 week, talking about the Big 12. Tariq Black has gone, transferred to um, Texas. Um, they lost Donovan Peoples-Jones in the draft. And they obviously lost Shea Patterson. <laughs> Shea Patterson had way too much hype coming in when he transferred in from Ole Miss, I remember looking at drafts early, like early, like shortly after he transferred, he was a first round draft. I'm like, come on, you gotta be kidding me. Like, yeah, he threw for like over 3000 passing yards and like 23, 25 touchdowns. He ate it. He had eight interceptions and he was sacked 25 times. He had, he was sacked 25 times and yeah. Now they're losing Jalen Mayfield. That does not help at all. That makes it even worse. I, it's just, <clears throat> it's it's real. It's gonna be real odd year for for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean they still come in with the hype. <clears throat> they lose four out of their five offensive linemen. Um, Shea Patterson's gone. You've got either Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton to be your quarterback. So good luck with that. Um, so it's it's going to be a real intriguing, you know, season for them. Um, they have to retool pretty much their whole offense. It's it's just it's a mess. Um, you're going to have to see guys who miss injury or miss the season last year due to injury. You've got guys filling in that have never started before on an offensive line, yet alone you know had quality playing time. Uh, they do bring back, you know, fun running backs to watch in Hassan Haskins and Zach uh, Charbonnet, um, who, who carried most of the work last season. So um, they're going to have to do the same thing this year. You know, it, it's just going to be real ugly in terms of their offense. I think I expect defenses all season to take advantage of, you know, the lack of you know, experience there on the Wolverines offense. Yeah, I think this is a team we where we might see more of a defensive team from them. Um, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh should have been fired like last year. Um, the second last season ended. I think Jim Harbaugh, it might be. I, I used to think Jim Harbaugh was like one of like a top five, the top seven coaching college football. Now I think he's just so overrated. I don't like you have that much talent, and Shea Patterson, even Shea Patterson too. Shea Patterson had talent around him, 
And yeah, it didn't help. He, he completed 56% of his passes in 2019 and it didn't help that he had awful protection and they lost four of their five starting linemen. So all the, the majority of their linemen are going to be all underclassmen. Um, Jalen Mayfield after that, they lost John run into the Packers. Um, so I think this is a big defensive team mostly. Um, and there's two specific names that I'm looking at. Um, there's Aiden Hutchinson, and the one name that I'm specifically looking at um, is defensive end Cody Pay. Yeah, they're going to have to rely heavily on this defense. Um, so uh, Carlo Camp got a six-year eligibility, so that's huge for them at, and for de- defensive tackle. Um, there's some other guys there that compete for snaps as well, but you can slot them in next to him if you need. Um, I mean, defense led by, you know, Payee, um, he's going to be just a real solid unit there. Return for his, his last season there in Ann Arbor as well. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, um, I mean, they got names coming back there on defense, so they're going to really have to rely on these guys to, you know, perform pretty much up to <laughs> the stand. You're going to have to ask for takeaways on a nightly basis because – um, you're not going to be able to get down on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Cameron McGrone's come back at the linebacker position, um, took over after Ross got injured last year. Um, did Michael Bennett and everybody has shown special or has shown, um, some, you know, special plays on, on, on special teams. So, I mean, these guys are going to have to fill in spots. Um, Michigan always has, you know, decent cornerback plays. So you got a couple of, you know, returning guys there in the cornerback slot. So, Hopefully that experience helps them out. And then you have a talented duo there um, at safety and Brad Hawkins and Daxon Hill. So pretty solid overall defense. And that's what it's going to come down to for Michigan. Yeah. And obviously like one of my favorite players on that team, my, my favorite player on that defense, obviously is Quiddy Pay. Um, there was an athletic reporter that wrote an article about him. Um, call him an athletic freak. And that's exactly what we, what he is. He's, He's versatile, and we've talked about Xavier Thomas potentially that he's that he's taken plays off before, where if you'll see him come out of his stance, um, I think it was one of them was the North Carolina game. We've seen him come out of his stance and just stand up because the play's out of his reach. And Cody Pay is the exact opposite of that, which is why I potentially almost like Cody Pay better than Xavier Thomas because Cody Pay plays with a high motor off the ball, and if his play's out of reach, Cody Pay. Cody Pay he might be that guy that potentially comes out of nowhere and he Quiddy pay never takes plays off. And there is one weakness on him that I found is, and a lot of analysts kind of had this is he ha- he plays with, he plays powerful off the ball, but there's times where his initial jab step is, you know, not as strong as it, as it should be. And if, it, if that mm-hmm. happens, he'll, all his leverage will just go out the window. Um, but I mean, obviously that's a minor tweak that he can fix with the right coaching, but yeah, I mean, we've kind of agreed there that this is going to be a team that's going to rely heavily on their defense and Dylan McCaffrey and Joel Milton, I believe like earlier in the summer, they were talking about having like competition, Joel Milton competing for that QB one job, but no, I think it'll be Dylan McCaffrey's show. Um, but Jim Harbaugh, might have one of the hottest seats in college football. Jim Harbaugh, let alone, has the hottest seat in um, the Big Ten. One of, if not the hottest seats in the Big Ten. Yeah, and it's well deserved, in my opinion. Um, it should have been. It should have been sooner, like you said. But the fact that he was, you know, a Michigan guy—that's yeah. the reason why it hasn't happened. Obviously, everybody. I feel like everybody should know that up to this point, and 
if his seat doesn't get hot this year, then I don't know what Michigan's going to do. Do they want to see their program collapse under him or do they want to, you know, hurt his feelings and fire the man so that they can bring Michigan football back to what it's supposed to be? Um, I personally like when Michigan's better at football. Um, I like them better than Ohio State. Um, it's just my opinion. I, I love the mat- old matchups when, you know, Michigan and Florida play each other when they're good or, or, or you know, those matchups too in bowl games. So I think personally Michigan's better, you know, it, or football's better when Michigan's good. Just like I said, when Texas and, and Miami and, you know, USC's are good, it's fun to watch. Um, just makes football overall better in my opinion. But looking at their schedule here, um, it, it's tougher than all the rest of them. That's for Dan. Or, oh, yeah. me. <laughs> I didn't mean to cuss, guys. Um, it's it's definitely tougher than all the rest of them. Um, Minnesota start off. You then you have your your Michigan State, you know, rivalry game second week of the year. Wisconsin, Penn State, and then Ohio, and then in Ohio State as well. So ultimately, I have them probably losing. Uh, I think I probably have them going four and four. Um, I have them losing to Minnesota. Um, having them losing to Wisconsin, have them losing to Penn State, have them losing to Ohio State. So I don't know if I can really pick a game out that's like intriguing to me. Um, if I could pick one out that's super intriguing to me, it'll be the second game of the year in the rivalry game versus Michigan State. And that's just to keep the season from going under 500. <laughs> yeah, you've got the same exact losses as I do. This arguably out of all these schedules that we've looked at uh, from these five teams, this is the toughest schedule. And we talked about Nebraska before we went on air. Nebraska plays, I don't know the order of this, but they play Northwestern, Ohio State, Penn State, and I think like Iowa, or actually I think Wisconsin. Wisconsin is what it, what it is. So the three of their four matchups, their first four weeks are ranked teams, and then their other one is Northwestern. So that's potentially 0-4 for that team. And Scott Frost is a good coach. He just doesn't have anything to work with. J.D. Spielman's lost, obviously. A.J. Martinez is a stud, but he has nothing to work with. Scott Frost has nothing to work with. And I also see Michigan going four and four. Um, I like your Michigan, Michigan State um, intriguing game as well. My intriguing game is between um, Penn State and Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to go Penn State. I think, I think Penn State, I think this is potentially a team where it's might be a more of a defensive game. Um, and I think they only lost one of their games. I'm pretty sure they only lost like about 17 to 12 last year. I think it was Penn state. Um, and that's why I have Penn state. Um, I think they could potentially be a blowout, but again, like <laughs> Micah Parsons is going to show. And I think this could be at least I think Penn State wins by at least one possession, seven to ten points. Wow, interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, anything else you want to add, Sam? Uh, go Badgers. Um, happy, uh, happy International Podcast Day. I want to. I want to thank uh, Unwrapped, uh, Caleb. I want to thank Unwrapped for bringing Caleb and I together, um, giving me Caleb, Caleb and I this platform. To, you know kind of make, our, make a name for ourselves and kind of make ourselves known and talk sports. Um, I know Caleb does another Florida State podcast called Tribalholics, so give that a follow. I also do a Wisconsin sports one called Dairy Sports, and we're both on Sportscaster. Um, I do Title Town Show with uh, 
with Matt Scurrup with the Packers. And I know Caleb does a lot of those unwrapped these bands with um, NBA with a bunch of other guys. So unwrapped is up and coming um, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so much love when it comes to Unwrapped and what they are able to do. So uh, I know it's International Podcast Day, but none of our podcasts or broadcasts would be anything of what they are without the support that we have um, from the Unwrapped Sports Network. And that's from top to bottom, from from co-founders Christian McGowan and, and Perry, um, all the way down to, you know, the new guys who are just coming in. Um, and then the people who have been here day in, day out, the directors, um, they continue to push us to, you know, bring you guys the best content. And we appreciate them so much. Um, also, huge shout out to our sponsors that we have on board with mybookie.ag. Um, huge thing that they got going with us that if you sign up under code USN100, you get double your first deposit. So deposit 50 bucks, you get $50 in free plays. It's awesome stuff. You're also able to parlay, um, you know, uh, player props, which is an awesome thing that you most places you can't do. Um, also, a huge shout out to, you know, RX Hemp. Great stuff. Use it on my back every day at work, um, especially when I go to bed at night because I've been standing all day. So um, just put it on there. It's a nice little CBD cream that you can get for for cheap and you get 10% off when you use code um, RxHemp-USN. So really great stuff we got going on. And, and again, thank you, Sam.